Give it up, Grace Church, for Jesus. He's alive and well. You can do better than that one more time. Amen. Praise God, you can be seated this morning. Wow. Man, do you love Christmas? Come on now. I love Christmas. I love what Christmas really stands for. I don't love shopping, although Janie and I went out yesterday and got a good portion started. I don't think we're ever done. I'm just glad when the 25th gets here. We're never done up until Christmas Eve, and then we're just done buying. She just goes out and shops all the time. So I said, honey, are we done? Yeah, we're close. And then I got to just pick up three more things for each person times 14. <laughs> Welcome to my world. No, I, I enjoy. I enjoy. We, we enjoy. We enjoy giving gifts. And we're going to talk about just gift giving today. We're going to talk about just the, the whole idea about behind who, you know, how gifts started and the origin of gifts and what those gifts were and how can we benefit from those gifts. And uh, there was a young man named Nicholas back in two, about 250 A.D. And uh, his parents died and his parents were, were very rich and he was an only child. And I don't know if orphan's the right word, but he was, he was an only child. And, and so he, he would go to uh, orphanages in the area. He was from Parada uh, Lycia, which is modern-day Turkey. And he would go to different orphanages. And with his mother and father's wealth, his inheritance that was left him, he would buy them gifts. And the church at the time, Catholic means universal, the universal church at the time recognized him. He became a priest and then a bishop. And then the myth of St. Nicholas was born because he was a giver. And so giving is inherent then to the word of God. And out of that develops Santa Claus and so on and so forth. But the greatest giver of gifts of all time is God Almighty. Amen. He gave us his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And so... We, we, are, we, we are family of the greatest gift giver. I, in our family, uh, when the kids give me gifts, I have a hard time using them because they're a gift. And our, my kids get on me. My wife gets on me. I have things uh, in my office. I have things at the house where a different, you know, Marcus used to buy me golf balls every year. And uh, after a while, he realized I wasn't using them. I would go out, find used golf balls, buy uh, retread golf balls. I would use them. And he said, Papa, don't you like my golf balls? Don't you like the gifts I gave you? I said, no, buddy. I love them, but I know how I golf, and I want to keep them for a while. And that's a, that's a very true statement. So I've gotten golf shirts from the kids. I've gotten tennis shoes from the kids. And I don't hardly ever wear them because I don't want to ruin them. I got a little glass blue dolphin from our daughter Jill way back when she was in, I think, middle school. And I still have that, that blue dolphin. Jill, if you're watching, I still have it. In fact, let's give our online crowd just a shout, a, a shout out this morning. Thank you, uh, live streamers. We appreciate you tuning in on Sundays at 11 o'clock Eastern time. And I still had the thing. In fact, to be honest with you, I, I cleaned out my office uh, not too long ago so the, the nurseries could come upstairs. That was one of my offices that they took. And Janie gave up her office for me, and she took, uh, she took a, a much smaller office. And I was cleaning out my office, and I came across my blue dolphin. I thought, maybe I need to discard it. I mean, it's, maybe, it, maybe it's had its, its better day. It's a good you know, 20-some years old, and actually put it in the trash can and 
Then I pulled it out of the trash can and put I said, no, I can't. I just can't get rid of it. I just, I, I have a hard time getting rid of gifts, especially if they're from uh, my wife or kids. And so uh, it's just, I, I want to talk to you today about gifts and the gifts that God has given us because I think sometimes in our environment, we need to really learn that God is a giver and he's a gift giver. So stand with me if you will. We're just going to read one verse today out of James, the first chapter in the 17th verse. Every good, say every. Every Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift gift and every perfect gift is from above. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the gift giver, that you give gifts, and that, Lord, we're going to talk about those today. So I pray you open our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our ideas. Lord, help us just to concentrate in the next 25 or 30 minutes on the gifts that you have given for us, Lord, and, and what we can do with them. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for your precious son, Jesus, that you gave. Lord, and you even gave gifts before that. So help us to learn today what we have. I, I thank you, Lord, for the, the the group here today, and I pray blessings upon them in this Christmas season, in this holiday season, Lord, in this Advent season. Father, I pray you bless them, Lord, with purpose, and you bless them with life, and you bless them with hope, oh God, and you, you bless them with evangelism, Lord, that they can invite neighbors, family members, and friends to come hear the word of God, to engage in worship. So, Father, help us, Lord, to be a church that's uh, outward-minded, that's outreach-minded, that can go out and, and into the community and, and be the, the eyes and ears and the hands and feet of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And so we learn in scriptures about gifts. I think God, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. If you've never read it, it's a really tremendously good read. Jenny and I have led small groups through it before. Uh, We've led discipleship classes through it before. And Gary Chapman talks about the five love languages that we all have. Some have uh, more than others, uh, but everybody centers on at least one or two. It's uh, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, um, acts of service, and gifts. And so generally speaking, a love language that you have, maybe you have words of affirmation. Most men need words of affirmation, but people that require a certain gift usually are the same thing right back. If someone requires acts of service, then they like to also serve. If someone likes to give gifts, generally speaking, they kind of like to get gifts as well, but they center on the giving part. And in his book, he talks about knowing the people that you're in a relationship with, and then knowing their love language so you can keep their tank full. If you keep their tank full, then you can have a good relationship. It's when we become very self-centered in ourselves that our, our people that we're in a relationship with, their tank goes empty and then it becomes an ongoing battle. And so it's a, it's a really good read. Jenny and I, maybe we'll do a, another small group on that sometime, but it's a really, really good book. Well, I think those gifts are from God, and I think God is a gift giver. And he also likes gifts back. He likes gifts of our praise, of our worship, of getting in his word, of praying, communing with God. And our prayer time shouldn't just be, God, here's what I need. Here's a, here's a list. Like uh, when I go to the grocery store for Janie, and I never do the heavy shopping, I, it's always if we forgot or didn't have two or three things, I make a list. Because if it's over one thing, 
I don't trust myself. And so I'll, I'll make a list on my phone. Here's the things. And I think sometimes that becomes our prayer time, too. We pray these things. God, here's what I need. Here's what this needs. Here's, here's more needs. And sometimes God just likes to talk to us. Sometimes he just wants to hear from us, okay? So I have four things today I want to give you that I believe God gives us as gifts, and maybe you've never thought of them this way before. Maybe it'd be a good idea just to say, okay, wow, that's right. That's, that, that would be good. And I'm going to use my basis on Genesis, the first, second, and third chapter. And I'm, we're not going to turn there. You just have to trust me or go back and read it yourself. And then around six, seven, and eight chapters. So we're going to kind of synopsize it to where we can figure out hey, what are these gifts? Well, the first gift that I see God giving us as human beings is life, all right? He breathed into, so Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, God says, let us make man in our own image and in the image of God, he did make man. And so then he gives us, he gives us power to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue the earth, have dominion over it. But then around the seventh verse or so of the second chapter, he breathes into Adam. And now life comes, okay? It's kind of the same thing that he does with Ezekiel in the 37th chapter. Of, of Ezekiel. He says, son of man, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel says, God, only you know if these bones can live. And he says, speak to those bones. But then when the bones are spoken to, and they even start to take form and shape, God breathes into it. You need to allow God to breathe into your situation. If you'll allow God to breathe into your situation, life starts to take place. And so we're given this tremendous gift of life. Also in John, I think it's the 14th chapter, Jesus breathes into the disciples. And he breathes into them. Some will say, well, that's the born-again experience. Some will say, well, Christ hasn't technically died or risen again. I think it is a form of new life. I think it's a spiritual thing that he breathes into them. This is what happens. So God breathes into Adam, and he's given the gift of life for all humanity now. But what happens is there's a fall that takes place. And because the fall, Jesus has to come. And when Jesus comes, he breathes life into us in a spiritual way. So we still look the same on the outside, but we're brand new creatures on the inside. How many is a brand new creature in Christ Jesus today? Give the Lord a shout of praise if you're a brand new creature. It's something, it's something to be worthy of. See, we, we know what Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9 says, that the... the, the um, What's it say, Marcus? There we go. For, for by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Let's say to each of us, see, I, I, can count on, I can count on some of these people around here. It's a gift. Eternal life is a gift. Romans 6 and 23 says that, but, but eternal life is a gift from God. See, we have these gifts, and life is a gift. Now, you need to wake up each and every morning recognizing that your life is a gift. And what are you going to do with it? All right, some people meander through life. Some people waste life. Some people just have so much talent and potential, but they don't realize that their life is a gift. Some people think they are a gift. Right? So we, we, have to, we have to be careful that we walk in the middle, that we're not so proud and haughty like I'm a gift to mankind. Or we walk on this side and say, man, my life is terrible. It's meaningless. No, you are somebody in Christ Jesus. You are somebody. 
You are, you are a gift. Your life is a gift. But you have to be the first one that acknowledges, hey, I am somebody. I mean something to God because he caused it. Well, Pastor, I was just an accident or I was abused or I was this or I was that. No, you are, your life has meaning, has purpose, and it is a gift from God. Now let's do something with it. When we recognize that we can do something with this, with this gift, and I, I put my gift sometimes on the shelf, and yes, the kids get mad at me because, Papa, you need to use that. Wear those shoes. Wear that shirt. Hit those golf balls. Be that gift. But some of us take this gift from God, and we put it on the shelf. God wants to use what he created in you. You have life. Even Jesus said, I came to, there might be life and they have it more abundantly. He wants to, whatever you use, he'll start to give back. You are the greatest investment known to mankind. Life. And when God gave life to Adam, even though he messed up, that life was still valuable. And life is always valuable. And it starts this lineage. And life is number one. Two is relationships. Relationships are a gift from God. And even though when we walk through relationships, sometimes relationships don't work out. Or sometimes they sour. Sometimes, But when you have a good, healthy relationship, that's a gift from God. In fact, when Adam and Eve fell and things went bad, and God, the, the Bible says the voice of the Lord would come in the dew of the morning and they would talk to Adam and Eve. This is the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve. Isn't that a cool thing? Like they were so relational that they knew the voice of the Lord. And one morning they hid from the voice of the Lord. And God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam was hidden, and he, and he, he tried to clothe himself with, with fig leaves and plants. And, and God said, did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And Adam said, yes, I did, but it was because of that woman that you gave me. That woman that you gave me. He actually blamed God for one of the greatest gifts known to mankind. The gift of life is number one, but relationships is number two. God recognized that Adam shouldn't be alone, so he made a gift. He gave a gift. And by the way, men, I'm talking to you for a second, that, that gift that God gave you, that woman means help meet, but the word help meet actually means lifesaver. Can you give it up for our women in here for just a moment, man? There are lifesavers for us, okay? Listen, that's the truth. They preserve life. They give life. They're lifesavers. And I know for me, I couldn't do it without my wife. And I'm sure there's a whole lot of men in this, case, in this, in this area here, in this congregation that would say the same thing. We have to recognize relationships in our life are valuable, okay? And so God gives us in relationships. And then what happens, though, is Adam takes the, the worldly route. Well, if I blame, if I judge, if I point my finger, and Isaiah 58 says, stop putting away the pointing, start putting away the pointing of the finger, and I'll start to bless you. Listen, if we take ownership of things, I know people in this auditorium right here that are going some, through some struggles like none other. And I'm, I'm so proud of the ones I know of who are taking the high road in every case. It's like, man, if I was dealing with that situation, I don't know if I would be able to deal with it the same way. But they're taking the high road, they're taking ownership, and they're not casting blame. That's a life-giving nature. 
When you walk in life and relationship, you start to take ownership. Adam should have said, because technically he was one elbow length away. He was a foot, this is the size of your foot on most human beings. He was one foot away from Eve, and yet he's going to throw her underneath the bus and, and blame her. And then blame God for this relationship that he had, rather than thanking God and saying, God, I know we failed, I know we faltered, I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to cast blame on anybody. I'm going to accept ownership. See, in relationships, what happens then, Jesus in the New Testament, he gives us the church. We're the bride of Christ, the Bible says. The church is this institution that some people want to stay away from. Oh, I tried church. Oh, I'm church isn't necessary. Oh, I'll watch this guy on television. Oh, I'll do this. Listen, church is community. Church is relationship. Church in Acts, the second chapter, they went from house to house, temple to temple, breaking bread, having communion, following the apostles' doctrine, praying for each other, praising God, and having favor with all the people. Why? Because they were in relationship. When you have unity, God commands his blessing over that. So when you walk together as a family, you walk together as a church, you walk together as a community, God's blessing is over that. Church, you need to grab this. This is good stuff. It's, and I understand some relationships are hard. And sometimes you got to say, okay, wait a second, let's, let's figure this thing out. But first of all and foremost, our relationship has to be right with the Lord. Amen? Our relationship with God. And then again, if you're a head of a household, make sure your relationship's right with the Lord and then start to work on your home. Stop doing stuff to get things back. Start serving God and he'll take care of things for you. That's how God operates. That's how God works things out. But I thank God for, for the relationships God's given me, first of all, with my wife and our children. We, we're such a close-knit family. We, we love our four kids and their, their spouses. We love our, our grandbabies. And I was sharing a, a story uh, earlier today with our, our granddaughter, Selah. She's the only girl. We have four grandsons. Love them all. And then there's Selah. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, and she's... she's almost three. She's not quite three. And she's just a little munchkin. And we love her to pieces. And on Thanksgiving, you know, it was football. We were watching the Cowboys get beat. So I, sorry, I had to say that. I, I'm just, I'm preaching truth. This, is, this pastor preaches truth. <laughs> I was watching the Cowboys. Janie had cooked a big Thanksgiving meal, the kids were over, the ones that live in town, and, and uh, the grandbabies, and, and Janie makes the best banana cream pie, and it, and it, I guess it's sugar-free, I didn't know that, it doesn't taste sugar-free, dear Jesus, it's, and, and I, I was going to cut me a, a piece, and I got a little selfish, and that piece grew, because I know after, after Christmas, we're going to start a fast, church, we're going to start a fast on, on January 5th, everybody say amen, yeah, how many likes the fast? Yeah, good. I actually had some people that said amen in the first service. I called them out as lying because I, I don't know anybody that likes a fast. Well, I, I cut me a piece of banana cream pie, and I was eating it, and little Sailor came up, and uh, she just got this innocent look. She said, what you eating, Poppy? I said, I'm having pie, baby girl. Can I have a bite? Well, they watch her sugar intake, they being uh, her mommy and daddy, our son and daughter-in-law. And Charity was in the room. Charity's our daughter-in-law. Charity was in the room. And the, uh, Janie said, did you give her a bite? I said, honey, I would have. I, just, I felt like Charity's eyes were just on me. 
<laughs> and I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose trust with her because you know I want to. I want to. I want to have privileges to visit our granddaughter. <laughs> so I said, I said, Sadie, you got to ask mommy. And she just Sadie kind of looked up and just kind of shook her head like, that's not going to do any good. I value, church, I value, especially being 1,200 miles from where we grew up, I value relationship. Jenny and I value relationship with our, with our church family, with our community, with our, our, our friends and the family in, in this community. And I, I value relationships with our, my, my grandchildren and my little granddaughter. If I value them, don't you know that God values relationship? Don't you know how much God really thinks about you in a relational way? God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He, he loves you. So one, life is a relationship. Two, our life is a, a, a gift. Two, relationship is a gift. And number three, assured victory is, is a gift. Listen there, when we go into this thing, and now we're going to Jack, uh, Genesis, the third chapter, they've fallen, and, and God... Uh, looks at Eve and says, you know, you're, you're going to have to start bearing seed. It's going to be hard. There's going to be some painful times. And then he says, but your seed is going to, his heel is going to bruise the head of the enemy. And then he looks over at the serpent, which we know is Satan, and he says, her seed is going to bruise uh, his, he, your head's going to bruise his heel. And he's talking about salvation. He's talking about the victory. And we used to sing the song growing up spiritually back a long, long time ago, He's Under My Feet, He's Under My Feet. Anybody ever remember that, that song? I can't, I can't tell you any more words to that other than He's Under My Feet. You want to sing it? Come up here. Went to the, come on, it'd be great. Ad lib. Come on, give her a hand. Come on. Come on, church. Woo! Come on, church. Come on, just, come on. Yeah, come on, church. Just give us a few bars. Just a few bars. He's so in trouble. Well, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me, oh, yeah. Took back what he stole from me, oh, yeah. Took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under. Come on, church. So listen, when, when we were singing that song, and I was a young believer, much like these people up front, I thought, this song's got to end at some point in time. He's, I know he's under my feet. I know. All right, already. He's under my feet. 45 minutes later, he's still going to be under my feet. And he was under my feet. But I want to tell you the biblical principles of churches that are very charismatic is that when you get it, you need to get it. He is under your feet. He is under your feet. And when you understand that, it's the same thing as when Janie had us clapping a moment ago during worship. These are weapons of war. Do you know you are warriors? Do you know you have weapons of war that are registered in the kingdom? When your name was written down, God said, okay, start to use those tools, church. Start to clap. Start to shake. Start, start to stomp a little bit. And listen, in Hebrews, in 1 Corinthians, in Romans, in 1 Kings, in uh, three times in Psalms, the Bible says that the enemy is under your feet. In fact, Paul writes and says he's going to be crushed 
under your feet. He's an enemy and he's under his feet. In fact, Joshua in 1.3, the Bible says that God told Joshua, wherever your feet shall tread, and that word tread means Barak. It's wherever I'm willing to do battle. And I like that one song that on the very background, that song that you guys sang, on the very background, it said, you've won the battle. I don't know if you saw that scrolling, but it says, you've won the battle. You've won the battle. You church have won the battle. You have won the battle. You, just, you, the victory is yours. This victory is assured. This is a gift from God. And the only reason we don't win our victory is because we forget to fight the battle. We're a little lazy, and we don't want, I don't want to fight. I'm, I'm going to sit this one out, and then somebody else is fighting, somebody else is winning. But that victory has been assured. That victory is yours. And so Joshua, he goes around the, the, the camp of Jericho one time, six days in a row. And on the seventh day, he goes around seven times. And what does he do? He shouts and he claps and he praises God and the walls come down. Our battle is won spiritually. We like to maybe fight physically. But in the spirit realm, that's where we get our, that's where we get our, our strength. When we start to fight in the spirit realm and not in the physical realm, not with words unless they're words to the Lord, we understand that this victory is assured. You have victory today. That's a powerful thing. That victory has been assured for you. Now think about that for a moment. When you wake up, you thank God for life. God, I thank you for my life today. I have a friend in our church that, that comes a lot of times to this service, sometimes the first service. I call him by name. He's more of a senior type citizen. Great, great guy. I say, hey, how's you, how you doing? He said, I woke up today. My name wasn't in the obituary. It's a good day. It can't get any better than this until I get to the other side. Now hear me for just a moment. That's a man that loves life. Situations don't make him happy. Jesus already has. You can't allow conditions to make you happy or sad. You have to thank God for the life that you have. You have to value relationships. Don't abuse them. Don't take advantage of them. Value them. And then recognize this victory is mine. Yeah, you're going to go through a battle. Every person here, Bible says trials and tribulations, they must come. They're going to come. But you've got the victory on the other side. You, you've been given, it's like watching your favorite sports team, okay? And you tape the game, and you know, you just found out who won. Like I taped a game earlier this year, five different people talked me, told me about the ending and all that. It's like, ah, oh. and then we, we went home on Sunday, and I wanted to watch you with the family, and they were all like, Papa, you, don't, you know who won, don't you? Nah, I'm not saying, you, you know who won, don't you? Well, unfortunately, my team didn't win, but I knew from past experiences, when you know that your team has already won, it doesn't matter if they fumble during the game, you know the outcome. It doesn't matter if they throw an interception, you know the outcome. It doesn't matter if the other team scores, you know the outcome. If you know the outcome, listen, read the end of the book, you win, church. You're winners in Christ Jesus. You won right now. He comes in 19. He comes on a white horse with king of kings and lord of lords down his thigh. He comes with a multitude of army that he doesn't even need because one word sends the enemy kept pack packing. Now hear me on this. You are assured victory. You are assured victory. And the number four covenant promises. This is the point we'll spend just a, a, a moment or two on. You know in the Bible where it says in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 2 and 20, that uh, all of God's promises are yes and amen. It seems simple, doesn't it? Yes and amen. We, we've seen songs about that too. Oh, the redeemed of the Lord say so and yes and amen. But if you study that out, 
That word yes means, yes, I will, or yes, I receive, or yes, I can. And the word amen, when Mary says, be it unto me according to your word, in Luke, the first chapter, she's saying amen in the long version. So when we say yes, amen, we say, yes, I receive, yes, I can, yes, I will, be it unto me according to your word. Now God's promises are yes and amen. God's saying, all right, do you believe what I say? Yes, I receive, now be it unto me according to your word. See, sometimes we pray for things that are not God's will. Sometimes we pray for things that are not God's word. Sometimes we pray for things and they're not God's will because of his word. But when we line ourselves up to God's word and we say, okay, God, all your promises are yes and amen. Yes, I receive what you have for me, not what I want from you, but what you have for me. Big difference. But if we want to walk in God's will, then his covenant promises become real. And the covenant part, every time there was a covenant promise in the scripture, is because blood was cut. There was a blood promise. Noah had a blood promise, okay? Abraham had a blood promise, a blood covenant. David had a blood covenant. Christ even, and we're, God, we're, we're Christ's promise. He had, he, he, he had his blood shed on the cross and promised that grace would be spilled so that we could receive him as Lord and Savior and we could become part of his family, part of his bride. So when we look at covenant promises, we say yes. Amen. Yes, I receive. Be it unto me according to your word, God. Well, with every promise, and the theologians will tell us there's over 3,000 promises in this book. So 3,000, yes, I receive. Be it unto me according to your word. Yes, I receive. Be it unto me according to your word. Yes and amen. All God's promises are yes and amen, but they're yes and amen to the person who receives them. To the person who wants to walk according to his will and way. Now, quickly, in our home, we'll, we do, as in most homes, we do a gift exchange. You know, kids, I shared some of the gifts the kids bought me, and we'll buy them gifts, and Janie will go shop, and we, have, we try to have a theme every year, but there, we have a gift, gift exchange. Can I tell you about a gift exchange that I think God would appreciate this morning? How about something like this? What if you gave him your worry and he gave you his peace? What if you, what if you gave God your hurt and he gave you his healing? What if, God, what if you gave God your, your grief or depression and he gave you his joy? What, what if you gave God your sin and he gave you his righteousness? What if God, you gave God your need and he gave you his provision? What, what if you gave God yourself? And he gave you Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, the king of kings. Come on, you see, here, here's what I'm saying, church. In the idea of giving and the idea of Christmas and the idea of gift exchange, sometimes you go to these uh, parties and maybe they, they have a gift exchange. And I've been to parties before where they say, hey, $25 or $50 and, and buy a gift to exchange it. And inevitably, there's one person in that, in that party that they forget or they're not thinking and they think it's like a white elephant or a dirty Santa gift. And so you take a nice cookie jar full of homemade cookies, and they've wrapped up toilet paper. Have you ever been to one of those things? Like, I don't want that gift. I'm going to fight everything. To get, I, want, I want that, 
You know, I want that MP3 player. Or one of our grandbabies said, what's an MP3 player the other day? I want that iPhone. I want that iPad. I I don't want that, that gift. And maybe in our case, you think, I don't have anything to offer Christ. He wants that bad gift. Hear me. Peter said, cast all your cares, anxieties, fears, all your trash, all your garbage, all your unbelief, all your fears. Cast all that on Jesus because he cares for you. In other words, whatever you cast on him, he's going to care back just the opposite. So when Jesus said, bind this on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. Loosen this on earth, it'll be loose in heaven. When I bind depression, I need to loosen joy. When I bind fear, I need to loosen faith. When I bind unhappiness, I need to loosen happiness. When When I walk through this thing we call life, and I realize that I can cast everything on him. It's just not my anxieties or fear. It's even the stuff that I dragged with me into this place this morning, that dirty, rotten past, that nasty ugliness, those things that keep attaching themselves to me. Jesus wants them today, and that he gives you back life and that more abundantly. He gives you back hope. He gives you back peace. He gives you back strength. He gives you back trust and truth. Stand with me right where you're at. If you can, just raise your hands towards heaven. I don't know if that's comfortable for everybody here. Just raise your hands up. And if there's anything in your life right here and right now, you say, man, I brought this thing in. I don't want to take it out. Just cast it over to Jesus. Just that's what he's here for. Just like we, we, we're conditioned that Jesus wants just our perfect self, just our perfect gift, just our, our, our perfect place. And we have a mask and the sky is on. And Jesus knows your innermost workings, your innermost thoughts. And he wants everything today. Yes, he even wants the ugly part of you. He even wants the part of you that nobody else wants or nobody else appreciates or nobody else knows about. He wants that today. And in exchange, he gives you fullness. He gives you freedom. He gives you happiness and joy. He gives you love. He gives you love that's unconditional. Raise your hands. Start to worship. We're going to sing another song, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, O God, that you take our, our ugly stuff. You take the stuff that's challenged us for years. You take our bad habits. You take our addictions. You take our thoughts, our ideas. You take our pride. Father, Lord, you replace it with humility and freedom. Lord, you take our greed. You replace it, oh God. Father, I pray right now, God, if there's anybody here that needs to know you, God, you take their sin and replace it with your loving son, Jesus Christ. Replace it with righteousness. Father, we speak right now. Lord, those people who feel dead inside, replace it with life right now. God, those people that feel, Lord, like they they always want, God, I feel their void, oh God, with you. Father, we thank you that you are the greatest gift. You are the greatest gift giver of all time. We thank you, first of all, for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for life. Thank you for relationships. We thank you for victory.
for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.